Welcome to the Sports on Point podcast for June 14th, 2010. I am your host, Matthew Smith. And I'm your co-host, John Zavarelli. And I'm the guy pressing the buttons. My name is Bob Severance. All right, guys, before we get into the show, I want to talk a little bit about a poll that just showed up on ESPN.com today. They did a confidential player poll with 100 players from Major League Baseball, and some of the results kind of were interesting with comparison to some things we had talked about in previous editions of the podcast. The players chose Jim Joyce as their favorite umpire in the big leagues. Kind of goes in line with what we were saying about him and the way he handled the whole Galarraga perfect game situation. Also, Cowboy Joe West was ranked as the second worst umpire in the bigs and also the umpire most likely to give you the hook. Uh, That, of course, meaning to kick out players and managers, which he does quite frequently. Did they happen to have a most looking like Fred Flintstone category? No, but they did have a worst country singer category. Oh, he probably won that one. Absolutely, it was a it was unanimous there. Also, the the result that did shock me a little bit was when polled the players are overwhelmingly anti instant replay. They voted like 80% that they weren't even in favor of what currently what the instant replay rules are currently in the leagues. Apparently those calls go for them more than they go against them. Apparently. All right, today on the show we are not going to be talking at all about the Twitter fail whale. We're definitely not talking about Barry Manilow. And we're not going to be talking about the iPhone 4G, even though I want to. All right, this week in sports, this is the section where we cover the top shared stories on the internet from every day of the past week, and our hosts give a short comment on each. Starting off with Monday, Paul Pierce to Los Angeles Lakers fans. We ain't coming back to L.A. What do you think, John? He's. This is the second time he's made a prediction. I don't know what to say about it. Every time he makes a prediction, it never comes true. But and he denied it in the post game conference last night. Yeah, once again, Paul Pierce's ability to see the future is quite underwhelming. Moving along to Tuesday, poor three year old girl's skull got fractured by a line drive at Dodger Stadium. Matt, I'm gonna say I'm a little bothered by the fact that this is the most shared story on Tuesday. As a father of a young child myself, I don't even really want to talk about this. Yeah, this is a pretty unfortunate situation. I don't think it should be in the sports news it's just very unfortunate on wednesday nebraska leaning towards a big 10 move what do you think john i think it's good for nebraska i don't necessarily think it's good for them to leave the big 12 Uh, nebraska i think falls into the uh, big 10 a little bit better than they fell into the big 12 yeah this is just going to be the first of many stories to come throughout this podcast move along to thursday the fifa world cup kickoff celebration concert this was an uh, amazing spectacle, as it always is, and it's the only thing that will get me caring about soccer. Only time in four years I care about soccer is one month in the summer for the World Cup, and it's ex- very exciting, and I, I'm glad that it kicked off, and I'm excited to watch the games ahead. Move along to Friday, a highly placed official from a Big 12 school confirmed Friday that Texas, Texas Tech, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State will join the Pac-10 conference once formal offers are made to them. Your reaction, John? A lot's changed since Friday's headline. Is Now it, it seems that the Big 12 is going to stay in place and all these teams are going to stay. I wonder if this official went to the same fortune-telling school as Paul Pierce. On Saturday, Kansas Jayhawks, Missouri Tigers on Mountain West Conference's radar. Man, that would just be a horrible thing to see. I can't even imagine these teams playing in a lower-level uh, conference like the Mountain West. Luckily, I don't think we're going to see that. 
with the events that have unfolded in the last day or so, I don't think that's going to happen either. And I don't, I don't think it would be good to go to the Mountain West Conference for these teams either. And rounding it off on Sunday, a football story. Well, not American football. South Africa ponders the Vuvuzuela band after complaints. John? Actually, I heard they weren't loud enough. Apparently, after South Africa's first game, he the one of the players actually complained that they didn't hear him and they wanted the fans to uplift their team by uh, blowing in the Vuvuzuelas as loud as they could, and they didn't. Now, those are those long horns, right, that when they blow them all together, it sounds like a swarm of bees? Yeah, that's exactly right, long plastic horns. I'd be pretty disappointed if they banned it. Turned out they announced today that they're not going to ban it, but seriously, who doesn't want a soccer game to sound like a beehive? And now moving on to that news that can't be ignored. The Cleveland Cavaliers reportedly are taking a run at Michigan State coach Tom Izzo. This is disappointing for me. Um, I don't... Honestly, I don't think it's a good choice for them. I can see why they're coveting him, but uh, I don't think it's a good good move to go after him. Steven Strasburg impressed with 14 Ks in his win debut. Apparently, he broke the sound barrier with his fastball and defied the laws of physics with his curve. This should be fun to watch for the rest of his career. Chicago celebrates Blackhawks title with rally. It, I think it's good. It's great for the Chicago fans as. Uh, the hockey fans in Chicago, at least they've waited a long time to see a championship in hockey and Chicago finally brought it home for them. The NBA finals are heading back to LA with Boston up three games to two. I'm a little bit surprised to see this outcome. It looked like LA was kind of breezing through the first couple of games without putting too much effort into it. But uh, Boston's really come back and it's really been a tribute to Rivers' coaching ability. U.S. battles hard to hold England to shock, shock tie. I think this is a well-thought-out game. The United States soccer team puts themselves in the driver's seat to move on to the round of 16 by getting a tie with England. Now all they have to do is take care of business with the other two teams in their pool, and they'll be moving on. Now we're moving along to our main points section. This is a section where we discuss three major topics in sports this week, and our hosts give their opinions, starting off with main point number one. The fallout from the USC sanctions. What do you think, John? I can't see that I'm. I can't say that I'm surprised from the sanctions. In all honesty, I put the the blame directly on Pete Carroll and OJ Mayo. Um, I think those are. I know there was the women's tennis team was also found. They did some things wrong, but I think USC their sports programs are just going to be in shambles for a while now. Uh, Pete Carroll basically left. He knew what was going to happen. He jumped ship. It was like a captain abandoning a sinking ship. Uh, you hire a coach, and Lane Kiffin has 12 total wins in his entire career. And actually, I think he was found for having a few minor recruiting violations at Tennessee last year. O.J. Mayo recruited himself to USC, and then he goes and takes money and gets the program put on probation. Now, it looks for as far as the future... They're going to have their juniors and seniors are actually allowed to transfer and not have to sit out a year. I think they're going to, I want to see how many players actually leave and go to another team. I think there'll be quite a bit since they're going to not be able to play in a postseason game for two years because that's big for a lot of the, the juniors and seniors as far as proving themselves to the NFL. As far as the whole thing, I just think the, the program's in shambles. Pete Carroll, as far as the football, Pete Carroll pretty much built them up and then left in almost the same position, if not worse, than they were in before he came in. 
Yeah, I don't know if any of you guys got a chance to check out Pete Carroll's reaction video that he put on YouTube. He used a lot of we's and us when he was talking about it. I think he might have forgotten that he bailed from the sinking ship. He wanted to talk about the situation that we are in and all this, that, and the other. The fact of the matter is you jump ship. You don't get to use the term we. One of the other things that kind of bothered me about Carol's reaction was he blamed the agenda of the infractions committee, saying that they didn't have enough evidence and that they must have come in with an agenda, and that's the only reason they were able to come to these conclusions. I think the NCAA makes a lot of money off of USC. I don't really think they could have possibly come into this situation with any agenda other than making rule breakers pay for breaking the rules. Carroll also did a lot to blame external elements. I, I have a little bit of an issue with that as well because in the report it indicated that Pete Carroll had gone to sports marketers to convince them to hire some of his student-athletes as interns, and then he wants to claim that they are external elements as if he had nothing to do with it. He claims he knew nothing about the benefits, but he's the one knocking on their door soliciting the students too, so I don't see any way that he didn't know that the door was swinging the other way as well. More than just uh, basketball and football were implicated, as John mentioned, a tennis player, uh, had $7,000 and 123 calls made on an athletic department calling code. The swimming team was busted back in 2001 for academic fraud, but overall the football team themselves has been nabbed for six violations in 57, 59, 82, 86, 2001, and now in 2010. They're one of the most penalized programs in college football. To be honest, I think it's unfortunate because – I don't like USC. I like there's the one of those teams you you hate to love, but at the same time when they're down and they're not good, it's just you can't hate them anymore. It's kind of like the Miami Hurricanes of the late 80s when they went down, it was no fun to root against them anymore. So I think it's unfortunate for the fans who actually don't like them. They're going to go down and not be as good and it's going to be not as fun to hate them anymore. Now on to main point number two, the NCAA conference realignment. Dominoes are finally falling. Yeah, it's been a pretty crazy week as far as the conference realignment rumor mill is concerned. Obviously, earlier this week, Nebraska rumors started coming out that they were going to be joining the Big Ten. They, of course, made the announcement official on Friday. I don't think it was a big surprise because of all the rumors that had preceded that, but at the same time, there were lots of stories coming out of Lincoln about Nebraska not being happy with the Big 12, really ever since it formed back in the 90s. They just think that the Texas teams wielded too much power. So, welcome to the Big Ten. Nebraska, you're going to fit in quite nicely. The other announcement that came on Thursday was Colorado leaving to go to the Pac-10. Not really much of an acquisition for the Pac-10, but it's huge because it kicks into works all of these rumors and all these conversations about what's going to happen with the remaining Big 12 schools. We know a little bit more about that now than we used to. It looks like the Big 12 is going to stay intact as a 10-team conference. But there was some strong speculation that all the Texas and Oklahoma schools were going to be moving over to the Pac-10. Rumors about the SEC making a strong push to acquire those schools. And, of course, the Big 12 ended up getting the push that uh, won them over. If they hadn't, I think the Big 12 probably would have ceased to exist. I think we would have been left with uh, Mizzou, KSU, Kansas, and Iowa State kind of left out in the cold, most likely joining the Mountain West. And who would have really wanted to watch Kansas hoisting up a Mountain West basketball championship trophy? 
a lot of people are kind of speculating that this was the first move towards a four-power conference uh, NCAA system. I'm not really holding my breath on that. Right now, that would allow for 64 teams in the major conferences. With 65s in our current BCS school, plus Notre Dame, there's going to be some people left out. And then, I know this is a shocker, but they play other sports in college. Basketball, a lot of Big East teams would have been left out, so I don't see that happen anytime soon. Yeah, a lot of it's been an exciting week. I think this is the most most talk about college football in, in a long time as far as the conference realigning. Like Matt said, we did have today, I just found out about 20 minutes ago where the Longhorns, I guess they're going to stick with the Big 12 and it's going to become a 10-team conference, as he said. And my opinion, I like to see the four super conferences. I like to see the ACC and the SEC kind of absorb the Big, big East, but at the same time with having multiple sports, the basketball, which has... I believe 16 teams would, I mean, they obviously can't take all those teams. Uh, as far as for football, I think it would work out great. I mean, it, do, it doesn't necessarily have to go for multiple sports as Notre Dame plays in the Big East in basketball, but it's independent in football. Um, I think it would work out better. You got bigger matchups if you had Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Texas A&M going to the Pac-10 as well. Um and then, like I said, the ACC and SEC absorbing the Big East, I think it would give bigger in-season matchups. It'd give the whole uh, regular season a little bit more parity, I think, with stronger teams in the same conference. That would actually set up a, a playoff better, too. This I know that's wishful thinking, but if you had the four super conferences, you could take the top four teams from each conference and maybe four at-large teams. Uh, that would kind of leave out the, the little guys, but I think it may work out for a, an eight-team playoff a little bit better. But like I said, that's wishful thinking. But I'm, I like it. I think they should do it every couple of years and realign the conferences. I know it's all about money, but I like to see parity in the college and different teams playing. They don't Usually they just pretty much play. They schedule terrible teams for their non-conference games and don't play anybody. So I think it's nice to see them play regular uh, powerhouses against each other. A couple of things I think are kind of funny about the situation right now is that uh, we're talking about the ACC and the Big East combining to form a super conference. And maybe I'm remembering wrong, but didn't that happen already? Didn't we talk about this like just a couple of years ago? Never really came out to be the super conference everybody thought it was going to be. But hey, we'll see what happens. Moving along to main point number three. I want to hear your World Cup predictions, John. Well, with the World Cup of Pranis, it's an exciting time for soccer, which, as I said earlier in the podcast, I'm a fan of soccer about one month every four years. Um, I, wa- I remember watching my first full-length soccer game about four years ago. I watched the finals between Italy and France, and I'm Italian, so I was, of course, rooting for Italy. But uh, since then, I, I came up, I looked over the polls, came up with my final four and, and predictions on who's going to win it all. Uh, surprisingly enough, I didn't have Italy, nor did I have USA in my final four. I actually had uh, Mexico, Brazil, Germany, and Portugal. Brazil, uh, I haven't seen Brazil and Portugal. I haven't played yet. Uh, I f- I feel those are one of the two of the top five teams in all the world. Unfortunately, they're matched up in the same poll together. Uh, but I think they'll be the top two team coming out of that that poll. Even though the Ivory Coast has a chance to kind of throw a uh, monkey wrench in that poll. 
Mexico, I did see them play against South Africa. That was a they actually played to a tie. It was a well played game. Mexico is usually pretty tough, so judging by who they have left, I I thought they would be in the final four. Uh, in Germany, I uh, just saw Germany just dismantle somebody. Austria they beat Australia four to nothing, and they're usually a pretty solid soccer team. Maybe not as traditional as some of the other powers. I think they're kind of my sleeper as well as Portugal. But I think in the final, I would have Brazil and Portugal in the finals. And I think Brazil is going to take take it home and win their sixth World Cup. So that's that's my predictions for the World Cup. All right, if you look at the history of the World Cup in previous years, there's really been four teams that have dominated the World Cup finals, those teams being Italy, Germany, Brazil, and Argentina. Uh, England and France each have won a t- uh, once since 1954, but both of those teams won in years where their country was hosting the tournament. I think I got a couple of upsets coming in the group stage. Uh, I think Mexico is going to get in ahead of France. I don't even think France should be in there. South Korea coming out of Group B, they got some great passers, a lot of speed, good mix of youth and experience. Uh, Slovakia out of the Group F, I think they got a really good goaltender there. Uh, Italy is going to be their last match in group play, and I think Italy will have already clinched their spot so they could play them to a tie. My big shocker, I guess, would be Ivory Coast, although it seems to be a trendy pick. I have them actually making it to the elimination rounds over Portugal. Tough draw, but I think if Drogba is healthy and plays well for them, they're a tough team to stop. U.S., I have making it to the elimination round, getting knocked out by Germany. Uh, I've got Brazil, England, Argentina, and Spain going to the final fours. Uh, Brazil is going to win over England. I think it's going to be some type of a shocking handball, own goal type of a situation because we have to perpetuate the British myth that they are jinxed when it comes to World Cup soccer. I think on the other side, Spain is just going to be too much for Argentina. I think if you look at Spain's roster, a lot of their uh, reserve players would be starting for just about every other country. I think they were really waking uh, really woke up by a loss to the U.S. in the Confederation Cup. And I think uh, that uh, momentum is going to take them over Brazil in the World Cup final, and they'll be celebrating in the streets of Spain on July 11th. Matt, didn't you predict the uh, England-USA score one-to-one? Wasn't that you were saying? I did. Yeah, it's going to be. It's definitely going to be a good tournament. I think it's so far. There's a lot of parity. There's been a lot of draws so far. So I think a lot of teams are pretty evenly matched, and I think it's going to be a good tournament. It's going to be hard fought, and we're going to see a, the best team in the world that wins it. Now, onto our closing arguments. This section is where our hosts present their closing arguments, as in a court case. It can be about anything on their mind this week. There are no rebuttals or comments allowed, and you, the listener, will vote on who you think presented the best closing argument. Now moving along to closing argument number one. John, I'm going to have you introduce your closing argument, and then I'll start the timer. Tom Izzo, I think he's a bad fit for the Cavs job. Um, I think I'm. everyone knows I'm a Michigan State fan, so I tried to look at this as impartial as possible. And after looking at it, I found it. Tom Izzo is not the right fit for the Cavs. Tom Izzo is a character coach. Coming into the NBA, you're not going to get a lot of character players. Uh, over time, the, the players that he's coached, he's had two that have actually left extremely early. 
Jason Richardson, and Zach Randolph, both those players have had character issues in the pros. His coaching style, grabbing players, getting in players' faces, I don't think that's going to work in the pros. That's something that that's with kids. You do that with kids in college. His coaching style, which it is good, it's defensive, that's what wins championships, but didn't the Cavs just fire a coach that was a defensive coach? Uh, they did bring in a lot of players that were offensive-minded players, and this kind of threw out the, the defensive mindset. I think even when he's had teams that were able to run at, at Michigan State, they always seem to slow it down because they did play in the Big Ten. I just don't think with the coaching experience and the expectations that the Cavs have, as far as if LeBron comes back, their expectations are going to be to win a championship. I don't think he has the pro experience to lead him to the promised land. I think they need to go with a coach that has experience in the NBA. There's been talks that he's he's going right up alongside with Byron Scott. I think that would be a much better fit for the Cavs because he's got experience. He's got He's got experience with good players. He knows how to coach. He's a former player himself, so I'm sure he would be a player's coach. I'm sure Izzo would be a player's coach as well, but I just don't think that he has what it takes to to lead them all the way with this being his first coaching job. And now on to closing argument number two. Matt, go ahead and tell us your closing argument, and I'll start the timer. I believe that the NBA Finals are being way too controlled by the referees. This past week, there was a news story about uh, Coach Doc Rivers sending a significant amount of footage into the league office for review for what he was considering to be bad referee work. I don't really see much of a point in it, Doc, because to be honest, the officiating has been equally bad on both sides. There's been an average of about 24 fouls per game per 48 minutes, uh, and that compares to a regular season average of about 22. Only two extra fouls, but when you consider those fouls are going against players like Paul Pierce, Kobe Bryant, Pau Gasol, uh, Kevin Garnett, you realize that it takes away a lot of the edge that these finals had. Uh, I think Phil Jackson might have started this whole thing going when he made comments earlier about Boston being a smackdown team, and I think it's backfired into refs calling things way closer than they should. This is really supposed to be an all-time classic between two teams that have a whole lot of pedigree and history behind them. And what we're getting instead is, while games are competitive, they're not necessarily that fun to watch. Uh, Unless you're a big fan of free throws, unless you like bench players, unless you want Tony Allen or Nate Robinson as your NBA Finals MVP, I don't think you can consider the way that the officiating has been handled good for the league. Uh, the defenses aren't able to play with intensity because they're worried about picking up fouls. The offenses, the offenses can't gain a flow because their players are coming in and off the bench too much. I think the league did a, or the officials did a much better job in Game Five on Sunday night. Uh, there was a couple of actual top-notch players who put in decent performances for once. Uh, but mostly, what we're seeing is the games robbed of their stars. So here's my note to the refs. You did better in Game 5. Keep it up in Game 6 and 7, and let's let them play ball. Well, this has been Sports on Point. To vote for your winning closing argument, send a direct tweet to our podcast at twitter.com slash sportsonpoint. And as always, send your suggestions on how we can improve the show to feedback at sportsonpoint.com. Again, that's feedback at sportsonpoint.com. This has been Sports on Point for 6-14-2010. We'll catch you guys next week. Thanks for listening. See you guys. Bye-bye.